Broadcasting live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com. Eat In on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Kathy Irway. It's a very unseasonably warm Monday at Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick here. Um, I'm not complaining. And uh, I'm sure these ladies here today aren't complaining because it's great weather to go shopping at the Green Market. We've got Jean Hodesh, Publicity Coordinator, and June uh, Russell. Uh, and I forget your long, convoluted <laughs> title. <laughs> yeah. Keeps getting longer. Uh, I manage farm inspections and strategic development for Green Market. You do a lot of stuff for this small, tight-knit organization. And this is uh, uh, formerly known as Scenic, the City Council for the Environment of the City of New York, um, which didn't really roll off the tongue as much as the new t- name for it, which is Grow NYC. But you guys make the green market happen, which is pretty impressive because there's how many locations? We had say? 53 markets this year. Okay. And it's run by like y- you guys and like three other people. <laughs> <laughs> we have no. a pretty amazing staff, actually, a number of seasonal market managers who come on starting in April and work their butts off through yeah. some crazy weather till right about between November and December, uh, a bunch of markets start to close down for the winter. And then about 21 will stay open all year long. 21 mm-hmm. stay open all year. Some people are like, yeah, well, I don't go shop in the winter because, well, now you know, 21. Now you know. Search it. Search. Some of my, my favorite things to shop for come up in the winter. We can talk oh, about it later when yeah. you ask us what we like to cook. Okay. Well, all right. <laughs> um, so um, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, the uh, fundraiser you have coming up next week. June? No, two weeks from no, now. Next week. Next week ish. Okay, <laughs> G- uh, December seventh. That is next Wednesday. Yeah, because uh, we all know about the hurricane Irene that swept through this summer. Um, but uh, what's going on in the aftermath? How much has it affected the farms? Does it still affect it? Uh, What's happening? So you guys are having this fundraiser to support some farms that are greatly affected. And, and what, what is the extent of this damage? So uh, in September, which is typically the largest harvest month in the year. Uh, oh, it's the, not spring. Huh. No. no. <laughs> uh, September's really it. And unfortunately, that's exactly when our region was hit really hard by not just Hurricane Irene, but then quickly after Tropical Storm Lee. So about 80% of the farmers in the Green Market Program, we have about 230 family farms that participate and sell at our markets in the city. About 80% of those farms were devastated in some way by the hurricane, whether it was having a lot of crops washed out or if it was just, you know, devastation to the roads in their counties and the trucks couldn't make it into the city to sell, so they lost days at the market. So people were really hit hard, but then about 30 of our farmers were really had, you know, 80 to 100% of their crops totally lost. Um, Wow. Catastrophic. Catastrophic. I was at the Green Market on Saturday in Grand Army Plaza, and I saw that a couple of, well, Kira Kenny's, like, wasn't there. Um, sadly, that's evolutionary organics. And Ray Bradbury had like onions and like, that's it. Yeah. So those two farms were, were hit, um, 
they're probably some of the worst that were affected in the entire program. Um, and yeah, they're standing. These are some of my favorite shrunk small right farms. down. Yeah, they have the best term. Yeah, that um, a lot of the damage. It's similar to Katrina. The the storm itself wasn't so bad. It was the failures of the infrastructure that happened later. Mm-hmm. So there was. Um, drastic flooding up the wall kill and the wall kill actually flows north so and it travels through an area called the black dirt which we have several dozen producers that come out of the black dirt it's a very productive farmland very rich and it flows through the black dirt and goes up to new Paltz, right where ray and kira and hector tejada are and and multiple other farmers and um dams broke um in northern New Jersey, and the wall kill flooded all the way up, and that was a big part of the devastation um, with the producers that we're dealing with. And then also up in Vermont, there was terrible flooding, and um, wow, so there's Vermont too. You know, oh yeah, that. the whole okay. uh, yeah, and 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 our it's been an outrageously bad year <laughs> for our farmers. You know, starting with we had uh, we do direct marketing, our farmers do direct marketing, so we had a hard winter with lots of snow so it was tough being at markets and then we had a really wet spring yeah a lot of people sustained damage and loss in the spring some people were flooded multiple times because they were hit in the spring and then again in the fall um obviously the the storms were most dramatic and um the biggest losses came then and folks were hit back to back within 10 days with flooding and and um, seeing the, yes, I have been out and seeing some of the damage and to sort of comprehend the volume of water in these areas was uh, humbling to say the least. <laughs> you see where the water lines are and the silt damage. And, Can we and, grow like cranberries in these bogs now? <laughs> yes, <laughs> right. Well, you know, I mean, it's, it's sort of one of the things that's on deck. It's wow. like things are Creative. shifting. This is, is wow. this an impact of climate change. and. I don't want to deal with that question. Okay, all right. Yet. But I know <laughs> but that you've, were... you've been involved with the farm relations for like over a decade now. So would you say that this is like a very bad, like the one of the worst or the Absolutely. worst year yeah. ever, mm-hmm. ever? It's crazy. That I've seen. I mean, there's yeah. sure folks with In this memory. region, yeah. right, that serves New York City's food. You were telling me about just when we were driving over here, just about what you were seeing in those fields, just the images that stuck with you of... The pumpkin sunk down. Sure, yeah, in the um, in the black dirt, which is always a really dramatic area to go through anyway, because the soil is unbelievably jet black. So it's also very beautiful with the contrast of the produce that's growing in the rows mm. and fields of green and purple and orange and uh, any time of year. So um, I made multiple trips out to keep trying to assess where people were at and also to check in with them. There's obviously a huge emotional impact. Uh, for people as well who've this is their livelihood and most of them this is also their home were their homes flooded some people yes um and so then to you know to wake up to a day after day i mean i definitely felt impacted seeing these things and i can't imagine having to wake up and look out and see your hard work um and and just say i mean things were rotting it smelled terrible um and again in the black dirt it's been an onion growing region for multiple generations and they still grow uh, a large amount of onions out there and just fields and fields that were just swept away uh, into these corners and things were rotting and I was telling Jean about a few images in particular that have stuck with me and one was this field of pumpkins and again you have the you know black (laughs) dirt everything (laughs) everything else has died off around it and they're just sort of have collapsed from 
um, being waterlogged and plus the rot that's starting to set in until so you just have this field of like sunken down. That must be surreal. It was pretty, yeah, yes. And um, another one where there were cabbages and, you know, normally this time of year they would be, you know, voluptuous and surrounded by leaves and and there was they were just like these washed out, bleached out heads of cabbage again, just like rows and rows and sort of went on into the horizon because... These fields are, you know, these folks are managing a couple hundred acres. Yeah, it was, yeah. But that's some idea of what, what it looks like. Um, again, that area was particularly hard hit, but you know, this is many, many acres of just destroyed produce. Oh, so, and so then, what of course, on top done? of that, that you know, as you were saying, this is the month. September is really the month when you're going to be able to start to make the money at the market to pay mm-hmm. back everything that you put in to to get to that point in the season. So when you're paying back the seed companies, when you're, you know, you've paid your workers, but now you're going to actually start to make a profit, that would only come around about in September. So when everything gets washed out, there's not really an opportunity to to make good on your investment. Exactly. Yeah, that was the other thing that was uh, staggering when I would check in with our farmers and, you know, try to talk some numbers with them and, and the amount of debt that they were in, and yes, that September is the time of year that they generally go from the red to the black. And so they're putting out money all the rest of the year. And usually from September until Christmas, that's when they make it back. So they not only don't have anything to sell, but they have this big bill for seeds that they put out. We're talking like tens of thousands of dollars. They spend a lot of money on seeds. You know, we buy seed packets. To, yeah, I to, thought. Right? <laughs> you know, it's like 60 cents. No, these, you know, $10,000 just to put in onions. Oh, man. And then there are inputs and fertilizer expenses oh. that um, go into that as well. And so those bills don't go away. Um, and, and that was pretty staggering to hear some of those numbers. What's it do? I mean, and, and I had a Wenji Ying a couple of weeks on, ago, and she mentioned Ragosi's farm was doing like uh, greenhouses <laughs> and like growing lettuce or something because they were washed away. Exactly. Well, like you were saying, I mean, you go out to the fields, and while it is totally devastating, nature does have a way of producing. So, mm-hmm. you know, then things come around. So people started growing lots of radishes. Radishes come up pretty quickly. Baby lettuce will come up quickly. You said two weeks later, there's the fennel. It's popping through. So being able to to see that on the horizon, I think farmers are pretty resilient. It's sort of what we have learned again and again and again this fall. So is that what some of these folks are now doing? Or are they turning to other creative... Solutions. Yeah, I mean, there's there there is exactly that. There are some people who are out immediately and planting what they could. With you know, you're also up against frost, um, which will limit how how, like they're planning of. They know that radishes will turn around in three weeks, Um, and it is it is interesting. It will be interesting going forward to see you know when you have destruction. There's also creation and sort of opportunities that come in that people wouldn't have done, that they were pushed to do because of the storm. And some of that is really interesting in the hothouse. Um, Several people are putting up hothouses that they haven't done before. And I'm interested in those things very much. And our markets can certainly use them. We still have a dearth of grains um, come February. Um, So, yeah, I think if this helps to push folks into some new areas, and hopefully that will be productive um, and you know, I've heard stories over and over again that it's usually not one season that, that 
put somebody under. Okay. It's, it's multiple bad okay. seasons. Um, so we certainly want to do what we can to um, help people make the next steps and help them get some cash flow going and hope to get them on their feet so that there is a next season and hopefully there's a better season next year. Cool. And Jean, were you going to mention, like, what are some other, like, solutions going on? So people have been, yeah, people have been really creative. I mean, from the farmers themselves, Kira Kinney, um, there was a great article in the Times, actually, that talked just about this. But Kira set up, instead of a a wedding registry online, she set up sort of a farm registry. So (laughs) she could list all the things that she needed help with, like getting, you know, organic feed for her chickens. Uh, And then people could just pledge and say, okay, we'll get you that feed. That sounds great. So I think that that's really helped her through. And she has a very, very loyal following of customers and people are really wanting to know what they could do. And so kind of figuring out how to funnel all of that energy into the right place at the right moment was great. Um, And then Ray Bradley had his annual farm party planned for just a couple weeks after the hurricane. And he just went ahead and had it. And it was apparently the the biggest and best (laughs) ever. And um, he had a t-shirt contest that coincided with the party. And now he's selling these great t-shirts that say fresh and dirty on them. They're really (laughs) cute. I think you can buy them on the internet. Did they tie-dye them with uh, mud? No, just kidding. (laughs) Pre-worn, no. (laughs) Um, There's probably still a lot of mud. You could do that if you wanted to. So people have been really creative. Um, There have been communities upstate that had big concerts where everyone in the town would come together and raise money that way and then in the city there have been a lot of things as well so there was uh, dine out irene that a couple of food writers yeah. got together and yeah. organized and over 100 restaurants around the city and upstate participated so that raised a bunch of money and then um we have had collections online on our relief page at growonmyc.org, which right. is still up if you'd like to contribute. And then we also just had collections at markets, and to date we've raised over $60,000. So wow. that's pretty significant. And it goes a long way for the farmers to know that people in the city care about them, they are watching, they are paying attention, and that they do want to give back, that even the, the goodwill gesture goes a long way. So um, next week, we're going to have sort of a final end of season bash. We thought it was a really tough season. Everyone could use a good excuse to get together and just kind of shake it off mm-hmm. and hope that we'll have a better season next year. So um, on December 7th, we're getting together at the Bell House and we're going to have some music by Naomi Shelton and the Gospel Queens and then a really nice. terrific Balkan band. Whoa. And everyone can come and dance. There'll be farmers, there'll be community members, there'll be some food. There'll be some food, some drink. Yeah. And really how fun. much is tickets? Or? Tickets are forty dollars, mm-hmm. and all inclusive. It's cash yeah. bar, but there's okay, going to be a special the beer. Okay. and then we're going to have past hors d'oeuvres. We're going to make Roberta's actually is making beef stew for us, which will be really nice. And um, you can come and and see everyone that you see at the market. Talk to the farmers that are always too busy at the market to nice. talk, maybe. And uh, there's also going to be a silent auction of cookbooks. So those are coming in. Some really great titles. Um, so you can go to growonmyc.org and look uh, for the link to buy tickets. And that should actually be really fun to see everyone in a totally different atmosphere of yeah. like, you know, instead of like rapidly, you know, dirt covered, yeah. you know, cash yeah. exchanging, <laughs> just chilling out, have a drink. Yeah. So cool. I'm Definitely. looking forward to that. December 2nd. Check out um, where Seventh. to buy it. Seven. Next Wednesday. December 7th. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, check out Grow NYC for more info on that. And actually, the band 
what is it called again? It's Naomi Shelton and the Gospel Queens. Oh, they sound so awesome. We're going to play. They're awesome. On the, I, have a, I have to give a shout out to the Daptone label. They're on Daptone. Sweet. All right. So let's hear a little clip from that. And we'll be right back. River, y'all. I am bound to cross. Whoa, whoa, Said I'm bound, yes, I, I am. am bound to cross. I said, Said I'm bound, yes, I, I am bound to cross. I got one more, one more. But she can't help me to cross Whoa, whoa, mother will be waiting She can't help me, no, no She can't help me to cross I said, my mother, mother will be, be waiting. waiting She can't help me, no, no She can't help me to cross I got a one more, one more Yes, I have to cross I'm Sam Edwards. I'm third generation cure master from S. Wallace Edwards and Sons in Surrey, Virginia. We support the Heritage Radio Network because we believe in the cause and what they're doing. They're supporting family raised uh, livestock, small family farms, uh, certified humane, pasture raised, antibiotic free. Basically, we take the products from Heritage Food USA and make them into uh, Serrano style hands, prosciutto style hands bacon sausage like my grandfather did you can find us at surreyfarms.com or virginiatraditions.com we're back on let's eat in on heritage and we'll hear that nice message after the break <laughs> and sorry, we're here with uh gene hodesh and june russell from the green market grow nyc and uh, we just had a, a delicious Thanksgiving weekend, and uh, I can't imagine what you guys brought to the table from the bounty that we saw at the green market. I have to say that um, shopping at Union Square the Wednesday before Thanksgiving is probably one of my favorite days of the entire <laughs> yeah. year. It's I so know. much fun. <laughs> I love the the rush of it, and I love all people the f- carrying turkeys. Everyone's like, just so into it. It's like yeah. this great day, and um, and a lot of the primary producers. Sometimes they get busy during the season. You don't see them as often or you get to their stand and they've got such a long line of customers. It's hard to get in and say hello. But that day before Thanksgiving, everyone shows up and is in such a good mood. I love going around and saying hi to everyone. And what are you grabbing? Like bags of apples and potatoes? I let myself go totally crazy. I get everything that I feel like getting. So (laughs) I got parsnips from Path and Roth Gardens. I got um, cranberries and apples from Breezy Hill Orchards. I got... um, Kale, the people that I was having Thanksgiving with requested that I bring kale salad. Mm-hmm. I got kale from Bill Maxwell. Um, you need a raw salad with the kale? Yeah. Mm. I have this raw kale salad that I love to make. It's just kale with olive oil and some shaved parmesan and lemon and garlic. Do you it's, use the regular like curly kale for that? or mm-hmm. do you have for, okay. Yeah, and just cut it really, really fine. And mm-hmm. make sure that you kind of... Uh, rub the olive oil into the leaves. Yeah, they get nice like, and dark, mm-hmm. and it kind of softens it too. Right, right. So good. Um, 
Anyway, but my big thing with Thanksgiving is that I have a, a terrible fear of pie crusts that I almost have convinced myself I don't even really like to eat them because I have such a hard time making them. But this year I thought, this is a great opportunity to teach yourself a lesson. So I went to Cayuga Pure Organics and I got plenty of flour and then I went to Flying Pigs and I got lard. Did you lard. use their half whole or? Yeah, it was, it was a... I love that stuff. It was half, I think it was... Is that good for pies? Well, it was a little heavy, actually. They were out of their all-purpose, but I worked with it. And so I got lard for one crust and butter for another crust, and I made two. So um, I made a butter crust the night before to kind of practice my technique Mm -hmm. to make sure I didn't make any big slip-ups on the day of, you know? And then I, for the filling, I just made an onion pie. It was like the night before Thanksgiving. And I thought, onion pie is a really good thing to make at this time of year because there are plenty of onions around. Yeah. So that was great. It was a big hit. And then the next day I made a lard crust and uh, I made a big apple pie. And that was also Which crust was better? I really love lard crusts. Okay. Very I think they're know. great. Don't be afraid of it. Just dive Just right in. It. it kind of the the Leaf dough hard. flakes up almost like a pastry. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, really, really good stuff. And June, you're nodding. You're a fan of like leaf lard. Crust. Oh yeah, yeah, sure. And that was just, of course, I'm thinking about the flour. So um, yes, I, you're the flour expert here at um, well, New York State yeah, Grain. One of the side things we've been working with grain growers a lot. So in general, yeah, their flour would be a little hard for a pastry. You want a soft. Um, flour for that and generally that's pastry flour when they would do an all-purpose and that's what I was thinking about I don't think they've had a pastry flour I don't think so yeah Yeah. I haven't seen Um, one so generally their flours are going to be harder and a higher protein content which would be better for bread Mm -hmm. but if you um, so I was interested in your pie crust. Like, they were, how did it go? <laughs> they were sturdy crusts. They were definitely, sure. definitely <laughs> sturdy. <laughs> so, um, June, are you saying that the all-purpose from Cayuga is more high, higher protein count than regular pulpers? Gen- it, it probably with theirs. I happen, yeah. Don't be careful what you ask me when it comes to the grains. Um, June's going to go on a long grain speech. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> usually an all-purpose flour will be about 75% soft wheat and 25% hard wheat. And there's a few things that go in there. There's protein content, but there's also the gluten content. And you need less gluten for a pie crust and you gluten for oh. to make bread. Uh-oh. It's that thing that like becomes real stretchy when the bread starts to ferment and, mm-hmm. and makes a nice round loaf of bread. So you don't need that in a pie crust. Is, is so, soft wheat like just more fresher than hard mm-hmm. wheat? It's oh. a variety. Okay. Um, there are different varieties of grains, and that's one of the things that we've been exploring with our grain growers and then also trying to work with our bakers as well to educate them and get these things into the vocabulary also. Yeah. But uh, soft wheat is, um, it can grow both in the, um, grains will be planted in the fall to be harvested in the spring, which is really like into summer basically by the time it actually gets harvested and then there's spring grains that get planted in the spring and they get harvested in august september so all those they are different oh my yeah gosh. yeah i know it gets complicated. flowers flower right, exactly <laughs> I'm like, this is maybe a perfect segue as people are thinking about i mean it's almost december now people are going to be doing all kinds of baking in the next month yeah, cookies true. pies sort of breads like fruitcake people make that what kinds mm-hmm. of flour can you find at the market that are going to be good? like you were just telling me you cookies. were trying to make a really good oatmeal cookie yeah so that's one of the things i made stuff for market. thanksgiving is that i i um i'm very excited about the groats um and the oats Oat that are groats, coming in yeah but you can't um we're not getting them rolled because once you crack the um the hull on an oat 
it will start to go rancid within a few days. Mm. Um, and we don't have oat rolling facilities. Again, this is part of the work that we're doing with our grain growers. Um, well, that's but you why could, there's no rolled oats. Okay. Yeah, but what you need to do is mm-hmm. go to Lehman's or whoever. You can order an oat roller, small tabletop. Won't take much room in your apartment. And roll your own oats fresh. No kidding. Yes. I'm going to roll my own oats. There you go. Yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> and so they'll, well, the, the oat growth, I'm thinking like a rolled oat is like really white and chalky. Like when you, you eat it, it's like really dry. When I roll my own oats and I get an, a rolled oat, <laughs> what's the difference? Gonna it's going to be, um, it, it, it's going to be hard still. You're, you're cracking that open. There's going to be a little bit of oils in them. You know, the grains all have a little bit of, a tiny mm-hmm. little bit of fat. And that's mm-hmm. the thing that becomes really unpredictable. So most of the stuff that's coming from um, the big ag players, uh, all that's been removed because that little teeny bit of fat can go rancid. Oh. But that's also where your nutrition starts to come in and flavor and all those things. Cool. So, yeah. So you'll, you'll get like, um, I mean, then to make oats shelf stable, they have to be steamed. You know, basically you have to take, all the life out of them to make them but who are you getting your oat goats from at the market right now that's still that's Cayuga that's Cayuga mm-hmm. and then if somebody wanted to make the say, only ones that have them if yeah, someone wanted yeah. to make say Christmas cookies and they were at the market what kind of flour would they want to look for you would still um, you would want to get the AP from Cayuga and see if they have a pastry or another one of our partners is Daisy Flour and they make beautiful pastry flour and I know that that's available around town, and they've been working with some of our growers. They're not themselves farming, which is why they don't come to Green Market, mm. but they are involved in several of the grand projects that we're working on um, because this whole equation is bigger than than mm-hmm. our, our single organization. So I can promote them as well. And you're um, attacking it like grain by grain. Yes, somewhat. Like. Yeah, it's yeah. more, um, sure, more diversity of products available, um, more things that our farmers can grow that are that we get to eat, which is always fun. That's so cool about the oat groats. I do love their polenta, too. Oh, my gosh, that's some amazing. good like polenta. It. Well, this gets back so. to what we were talking about. I mean, even though in the next month a number of our markets will start to close down for the end of kind of the, the long growing season, about – a little over 20 of them will stay open year-round. And if you think, people are always like, oh, there's nothing left at the market but apples and onions for months. But it is my favorite time to go there because you have to get so much more creative with what it is you want to cook. And yeah. so grains really will help you through the winter if you want to make, say, any sort of beef stew or a vegetarian stew. If you add grains to it, it becomes that much heartier and filling. Like maybe farro or something? I don't know. Any yes. of that. Yeah. Far- we, emmer. Okay. Emmer far. It's the same grain. We Emmer? Yes. Oh. We refer to it as Emmer. Again, it gets more complicated. Mm. It's, it was brought over by the Italians and went out to North Dakota and it's been there for several generations. And so the root the seed stock that we've been working with in this area is Emmer. And I don't know if the Italians have like a, a formal claim on Faro, but mm-hmm. it's something we've been trying to educate people as is, is it, it is historically from the same grain yes oh wow emmer farrow is the same okay Um, we call it emmer and which is available uh it grows super well in this area and i love it when people use it um it's cool that they have recipes at the stand to hand out for some of these interesting grains and beans too beans, beans absolutely and then um 
Sokaiga will have recipes at their stand, and then also at any of the markets, our market info stations are always a great place to look for recipes, especially with what's available seasonally, and then oftentimes there's a cooking demonstration happening, and always if there's something that you don't know what it is, and you want to learn how to cook it, you can ask yeah. the person selling you the I, food, and they'll they'll give you an idea, and probably the person in line behind you will give you an idea of how to cook that, too. That's always fun. It's really fun. So you would you the ask supermarket. them uh, for an idea of the most fabulous, ideal date meal for two? Because that's my favorite question I'm now asking you guys. <laughs> what it really is depends the, on what time of year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could be any time of year. I love how you said that. It really depends on the time of the year. You know, I have to say, I made <laughs> this... about the date. It yeah. <laughs> what the season is. I made this onion pie on Wednesday night before Thanksgiving. I wasn't going on a date, but I was just going over and having sort of pre-Thanksgiving meal with two of my friends. And I don't know... I mean, I, I thought of onion pie because I had this pile of onions in my kitchen, but I've been talking about it ever since. And it's like this forgotten thing that's sort of a classic dish that people just don't think to make. Mm-hmm. And every time I say onion pie over the last three days, people go, oh, yeah. Onion yeah. pie. So you might, maybe you would make that on onion your date. Onion pie. I don't know. I like that. And it's a good filter, too. It's like, you know, you got to be with somebody who appreciates onions. You've got to be with someone who appreciates good. onions. <laughs> but it's I, basic. I, yeah. <laughs> I think it is the thing that you're you're most excited about. Um, and okay. I don't, yeah. I mean, I don't know. So it's all about me, not the date. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I, I mean, we happen to, this is the work that we do. And so it's hard to not be enthusiastic. I mean, right. we get access to an incredible, um, the, the food is great, and the stories behind them and, you know, the exposure that we get. And so it's certainly fun to share that. So yeah. what would your ideal date meal be? Any, any season imaginable? Any season? Well, coming into winter, I get excited about making some of the winter dishes, like doing a real cassoulet. Um, and that takes multiple steps. I mean, and that's, I don't know if that's a great date meal meal? because it's it's pretty heavy yeah and it's good for the heart it's it's definitely a heavy meal but it's um (laughs) boy i don't know um can uh, we just talk about things we're excited to eat right now (laughs) i have a whole long list first of all it's bay scallop season they're amazing the teeny tiny little bay scallops that came into season just in the beginning of november and they're so small and sweet and delicious and they're a little more expensive than the regular scallops that you might find at the market but totally worth it and something you should treat yourself to or a date if you're cooking for a date yeah and they cook really fast so not a lot of steps (laughs) that's good and then you cook a lot of goat Mm -hmm. yep yeah and it's particularly this is the right time of year to be eating goat. Sure. Yeah. I mean, this is also, yeah, in the winter months and you cook those cuts of meat that can be tough. They're tough and they're more rich and you save the bones and use the bones for stock and mix all that stuff in with your beans and your grains that you're cooking. And, and it's really, um, it's good for you. It's part of, you know, I think that there is, I mean, it's been proven like there's a synergy between what our, than what nature provides to our diet and what we need at that time of year. And those mm-hmm. are things that mm-hmm. that are actually good for you and keep you healthy. And, um, you know, the marrow that's in the stock is good to keep you I'll well in the winter months. i to try around with goat some more. What's something that you might recommend for a beginner um, with goat? Well, there's, let's see. What did I, I, I made some, uh, I made goat meatballs recently. Which wow, is, um, ground goat meatballs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have a few producers bringing in ga- ground goat, but I sort of cross-referenced some recipes for kibbe, which is a more traditional Middle Eastern 
um, meatball, Stew? basically. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, if you went to Sahari's, they make their kibbe. They sometimes put rice in it, sometimes pine nuts, and sometimes they'll coat it with a kind of a Bread breading. Cream? But you don't have to. I made okay. some um, for a party recently without any... There were breadcrumbs in the meatballs, but not. I didn't coat them with anything, and they were a big hit. Um, and I also do. Um, I love spraying kid goat for um, Easter dinner. Oh, and to that's just a good like one. Really slow cooking, roasted, and just serve mm-hmm. it with like a, maybe a ch- uh, like a pesto. Uh, like horseradish. Horseradish. Yep. Perfect pairing for the goat. <laughs> Well, thank you um, for that tip. Sure, and that's just uh, we just do a real slow roast. I cover it with foil, give it a good salting, and let it go long and low, just um, like any other meat. Yeah, mm. and it just falls off the bone, and it's delicious. Delicious. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll be looking forward to checking out the goat there, and I'll be sure to ask you guys for more tips uh, or whoever's working at the market um, next time. So that's about all the time we have. Great. But we'll see you uh, soon at the market. And December 7th. And at December the 7th. Bell House. Bell. Buy your tickets. See you next week. Thanks for having us, Kathy. You're welcome. Thanks for coming. She's still alive.